0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go play at ladbrooks.com 18 plus be gamble aware.org T's and C's apply
2: This is a game day podcast from TalkSport
3: Hello, this is Sam Matterface and welcome to the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport where we look ahead to all the surviving Boxing Day games from the Premier League in the company of the dashing Darren Lewis from the Mirror and TalkSport commentator Alex Crook. Rock around the Christmas tree, get your glittery ball balls out. The Premier League is just about limping its way through the festivities.
1: Big news coming in this lunchtime here at TalkSport. Games now not going ahead. Boxing Day postponement. Simon, we heard them there in uh, Nick's Bull. Bulletin. Liverpool against Leeds off, no longer going to be played on Boxing Day. Wolves against Watford off, no longer going to be played on Boxing Day. Covid outbreak uh, in the Watford squad and also a Covid outbreak in the Leeds United squad we are hearing. Leeds avoid getting stuff like your Christmas turkey on
3: Boxing Day as their game at Liverpool goes and arguably the pick of the bunch. It's can, I'm afraid, and so is Wolves against Watford. Norwich welcome in form Arsenal to the Canary House and Chelsea hope that stevie g isn't the villain as they look to keep pace with the leaders we will tell you about the team that have led in over half their games but have won just three of 17 the manager who is transforming his big characters and the entertainment kings plus the christmas feature that like santa only comes once a year it's producer lucy's festive quiz the ultimate preview to all the festive action that does still go ahead from Talksport. it's the game day podcast
2: This is Game Day.
3: Carabao Cup uh, quarterfinals were good. They were lively. Liverpool coming back from 3-1 down. I really enjoyed it. And we'll look at Brendan's uh, tactics in just a moment. Um, But uh, it was was a lively week for Carabao Cup quarterfinals, wasn't it, Crook?
4: It was. Look, as if by magic, like Santa coming down the chimney on Christmas Eve. Darren Lewis appears in the bottom corner. Darren
3: Lewis has turned up like Liverpool right at the end, just to make sure he's timed his, his run brilliantly. Welcome along, festive Darren. How are you?
2: I can't bring in a good cheer. I've got a big bottle of champagne for you guys. For the one who can be kindest to my reasons for joining you ever so slightly after the kickoff.
4: Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. Yeah. What's your reason? I was saying to Sam, look, it's Christmas. Let's not be harsh on him. Yeah. He's, he's obviously busy.
2: Oh he turned into a Scrooge, did he? And decided that he would have no mercy. Actually, it was Crook
3: who said, "I've got to be out of here by eleven o'clock." You know, this is the time for love making. <laughs> Come on, then.
2: No, that most definitely isn't the reason.
3: Yeah, let's be honest.
2: Why? Why, why were you late? This is the time for love making. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> There's no, just good old-fashioned work, I'm afraid. Yeah, all right. But this is the time for lovemaking.
3: Okay, anyway, let's uh, give uh, Somebody the... Somebody likes that button a bit much. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I think you like that button a bit too much. Right, okay, um, let's talk about the Carabao Cup quarterfinals. Uh, Liverpool did well, actually, to come back from 3-1 down, named a bit of a, a youthful team, took off all the youngsters at halftime, brought the experience on when uh, uh, they were 3-1 down and then came back and uh, finished off uh, Leicester City in the second half. Alex?
4: very unusual for Brendan Rodgers to get within sight of the winning line and then chuck it away it doesn't happen every season uh, Listen, I, that, I actually said a- it in commentary actually and Andy
3: Townsend looked at me and said oh, you know, you might be being a little bit harsh there I said one of the big question marks over him was the fact that his in-game management sometimes is questioned and then he bought off Pats and Dak and I looked at
4: Andy and Andy looked at me and then he said to me you were right about that <laughs> Yeah, that change didn't go down well uh, with Leicester fans. It was a big opportunity for them. Uh, We know the disdain uh, that Jurgen Klopp treats this competition with anyway. And obviously, due to the injuries that Liverpool have got and one or two COVID issues, it was a very scrapped side. Uh, I think it's tremendous uh, for Liverpool that they managed to come from behind and get through. I was at the Brentford Community Stadium, first visit there. Brentford had good chances uh, against a makeshift Chelsea team in the first half, didn't take them. And then Thomas Tuchel really used his change as well, unlike Brendan Rodgers and Galo Conte came on and changed the game. Uh, Reese James off the bench sets up the opener, the own goal from the unfortunate Pontus Janssen. Pulisic wins a penalty converted by Jorginho. And uh, I think, listen, the semi-final draw, Arsenal against Liverpool. Again, if Jurgen Klopp uh, does play the kids, then you've got a fancy Arsenal in that. And Chelsea against Tottenham. Tottenham already rejuvenated under Antonio Conte. Should be an absolute belter live on Talksport.
3: West Ham-Tottenham was a a good game, uh, Darren, wasn't it? And Antonio Conte now matched up with Chelsea. But listen, on a serious note, Conte's one of them, Tuchel's another. Gerrard, Henderson, Klopp, Arteta... They're all appealing for help with the fixture list. Why did the FA, the Premier League, the EFL not think about disruption this season and bake in some extra gaps and reduce things like the Carabao Cup semi-finals to just one game, which is now what everybody's asking for? Get rid of FA Cup replays from the start so that there was a bit more room to manoeuvre.
2: I think it's a really good, valid, important question actually because we now are having players come out. Jordan Henderson's been very vocal articulating his concerns about player safety. And that's where we're getting to, player and fan safety. We can talk all we want about the fact that we love seeing football over the festive season, but at what cost? And when the players come out, Jordan Henderson, one of the most influential captains in the Premier League, come out and talk about the concerns for player welfare, then we all have to listen. People will take their own health into their own hands going into stadia, 30, 40, 50,000 people in capacity stadia over the next couple of weeks. But the players appear to have no choice. So when these questions like the one you just posed come up, I think you have to wonder why having had what they had last season, almost catastrophic financial impact on the game the people who run it didn't think to themselves let's make sure this never happens again let's have a contingency plan to make sure we're never in this situation again and as we can see from the last what 10 days or so there is no plan
4: Christmas is about family and that includes you the Talksport family. Timu Puki's onside and Timu Puki gives Norwich the lead inside six minutes. Smith Rowe goes himself. Oh, wonderful goal from smith roll that's why he's the future of arsenal football club across for watkins
1: watkins taps it in the flag stays down and that surely is all three
4: points for aston villa and mason mount comes up with the opening goal drives it high beyond pickford and chelsea finally have the breakthrough here
3: big radio station for the big festive period Three o'clock Boxing Day on Talksport. Sport 2. It's Norwich against Arsenal. Arsenal go into the festivities with more to smile about than most. A thumping win over a team from Sky Bet League One uh, after a win over Leeds at the weekend. Nine goals in two games. Good matches. Young talent coming to the fore. It may have taken nearly two years, but are we, are we, to copy the most annoying phrase in football, finally seeing what Mikel Arteta is trying to do, Alex Crook?
4: Uh, possibly. We spoke about this in detail on the last Darren Benz boot room of the year. Obviously, Ben's a massive Arsenal fan. I put it out there that come the end of the season, they might just look upon uh, Mikel Arteta banishing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, stripping him of the captain's armband as a real turning point in their season. Because what I'm seeing now is the United Arsenal, um, a team who are pulling all in the same direction, some very talented young players, another new kid off the production line um, in midweek. Okay, listen, they were playing a league one side, let's not get carried away by that. I guess the acid test for Arsenal is if they can start picking up results against the teams above them in the table. I think fourth place is up for grabs in the Premier League. I think it could be a straight bun fight between them, uh, Manchester United and Tottenham. They'll beat Norwich. I'm I'm sure of that because they they beat the teams they should be beating. They still struggle against the more elite sides in the Premier League and that's something they're going to have to work on in the second half of the campaign.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is all young players that he's sort of surrounded himself with really isn't it Mikel Arteta I mean sort of gives you the suggestion a bit like Pep Guardiola in his early days that he doesn't like the established stars or he can't deal with those big personalities Uh, but young Eddie Nketiah with his stealthy runs and assassin finishes uh, a debut goal for young Charlie Patino, Arsenal's latest teenage wonder kid as was mentioned by uh, Alex Crook how much involvement will, will those players have over the next couple of years because it's a squad that's brimming with attacking talent and as I understand it Nketiah for one is going to end up moving on at the end of the season because he hasn't got a contract after then
2: yeah and Katia will leave uh, one or two of the other players will come on but I'm not convinced by Arsenal I've got to be honest and say if Man United win their games in hand they're above Arsenal if Spurs win their games in hand they're above Arsenal so Arsenal's true position in the table if everything goes to form yeah. right now is about six or seven
3: which I think we all agree with really don't we I mean none of us have ever been convinced
2: No, 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 absolutely. And I think the other thing is, if you look at their run of form, if you actually scratch below the surface, many of the teams they've beaten are either struggling in the Premier League, in a period of transition, in the red zone, as West Ham proved themselves to be in midweek last week. So Arsenal's form flatters them in a big, big way. If you look at the Sunderland win, as you were saying, Crook, they're a team in a league, a couple, a couple of divisions below, they're trying to get promoted. The Carabao Cup is not their competition. They're never going to win it. Um, and So I think the jury is still out on Arteta, and I wouldn't go breaking out the bunting just yet.
3: Okay, Um, the Arsenal fans certainly did break out the bunting when Charlie Patino came off the bench and scored in midweek. I always find it quite weird, actually, now. I mean, because of the fact that we've got social media clips and we can get access to youth matches, we can see so much more of what happens in the build-up to someone being uh, a first-team regular or making their first-team debut sometimes the fans adopt a player before they've even become a star now they're already singing his name and being very excited about this young kid it's a lot
4: of pressure to put on an 18 year old's shoulders I guess the question is will he be the new Wayne Rooney or the new Federico Makeda
2: can I just add to that as well because, obviously, we hope he has a good career, just like we hope Harris and Ashby at West Ham and, you know, the, the players who came on for your club, Chelsea, in midweek as well. Lots of good young players have, come, have, have done well. But Arsenal, there have been one or two players who have looked really good in the Carabao Cup over the years and have not exactly gone on to hold down a regular first-team place at Arsenal let alone elsewhere in the Premier League. And I think we've got to be honest about that. They do have decent young players, exciting young players, and we always like it when a player comes through and Patino looks like he's got a real chance. But hopefully the club will maybe invest a bit more time in him than it has done with some of the other players who have looked good in that competition, but not exactly had the run of games that has enabled them to be able to fulfil their potential.
3: Yeah, and Ketia might fall into that category. Um, he might end up moving on to another Premier League team, maybe even in January. I know that Brighton have sort of had a little look
4: at him crookie. Yeah, his agent was very problematic in the summer transfer window. Certainly uh, that didn't help him. There was a possibility he would go to Crystal Palace, but his agent's demands prove prohibitive to that deal so you can only hope that that particular agent has has learnt a valuable lesson because this is a young player who needs to be playing regularly in the Premier League now I think if Arsenal have aspirations to become a top four team again, then he probably isn't someone that they should take on their journey, but certainly he could do a job for a team in the lower echelons of the table. Talking of team in the lower echelons of
3: the table, Norwich haven't played since they were beaten by Aston Villa, and I thought they were exposed that night. They've improved under Dean Smith, but they still look way behind. They might have had a chance, actually, had Dean Smith been their manager since the beginning of the season, but it's almost impossible to come back from this sort of distance. Scoring goals is a massive, massive issue for Norwich, and Arsenal have kept eight clean sheets in their last sixteen games, Darren.
2: Yeah, but again, I'm not. I think that that, that record flatters Arsenal. Yeah, but they're,
3: they're playing a team that they like to beat. I mean, Norwich are are, are they're, 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 This is Arsenal's perfect game, isn't it,
2: Norwich? Absolutely. Arsenal, I don't. I'm not trying to criticize Arsenal for the sake of it because you, you know you can only beat what's put in front of you, and Arsenal have done exactly that. What, what I'm just saying is, as we should all say, you know, we, we just need to look at the form for what it is rather than make any mm. big extrapolations from it. And they'll beat Norwich. They will. Norwich will work hard, but they can't score goals. And I think they're a team, a club hanging on for the transfer window because when that comes, they'll go, they, they should have a couple of deals lined up already. If they don't, then that's a, they can't afford to be one of those clubs who are like, oh my goodness, we'll wait, we'll pick and choose. They can't afford to do that. They've got to no. get a deal done now, so that when the window opens, they've got a player brought in, give him a run of games, and get his feet under the table. They'll lose to Arsenal, but in the longer term, if they get the strikers they need, hopefully they'll stay up. <laughs>
4: is coming forward he finds James wide towards Mount breaks into the penalty area and Mason Mount comes up with the opening goal drives it high beyond Pickford Chelsea finally have the breakthrough here at Stamford Bridge. Relief sweeps around the stadium, and yet again it is Mason Mount who has dug them out of a hole. Chelsea one, Everton nil. Diligent
1: piece of play from Douglas Luiz, and now an opportunity for Ramsey after Watkins lay off to burst down the middle. Ramsey only up by himself. He's into the penalty area now though. Oh, and he's found the net! What a run and what a goal for Jacob Ramsey! And Aston Villa have. The now Villa have it back in their attacking at the other end. Chukwabeca surging into the penalty area. Angle tight. Across for Watkins. Watkins taps it in. The flag stays down. And that surely is all three points for Aston Villa. Jorginho. 13 successful penalties in a row. He's up against Alvaro Fernandes. For a chance to give
4: Chelsea a 2-0 lead. Alvaro dancing up and down on his goal line. Jorginho sends him the wrong way. The penalty king of Chelsea looks to have sent the London Blues through to the semi-finals, sealing their passage against their London rivals. 5.30
3: 5.30 on Sunday Aston Villa against Chelsea's live on TalkSport now Chelsea have fallen off the back of Santa's sleigh struggling to restart their engines they were top at the end of November they're now six points behind arch front runners Manchester City Thomas Tuchel said that his team were the hunters at the start of the season and they will continue to be the hunters throughout the season but it's not going to get any easier against a reinvigorated Aston Villa obviously in midweek you were there Crook when they beat Brentford just after uh, playing a, a screen scratch team. I mean, it really was a lot of fringe players and very young players who no one's ever seen in the first team before.
4: Yeah. And as I said at the, the top of the uh, top of the podcast, Brentford will see it as an opportunity missed. They had two or three golden chances in the first half. Didn't take them. Actually, Kepa Aretha Balaga, your favourite goalkeeper, Sam, uh, had a pretty good night for Chelsea. I, I guess the worry for uh, Thomas Tuchel is in the forward areas. Um, It was great for him to have the likes of Ungolo Conte back available. Kovacic as well got through um, the opening 45 minutes. He did say to me after the game, he was hoping that two or three players uh, could be back in training by the end of the week. He wouldn't identify them. I guess Chelsea fans will be hoping that the likes of Havertz, Lukaku and Werner will be among their ranks. Because you're right, this is a different Aston Villa uh, than we saw start the season under Dean Smith. They're more defensively resolute. Uh, They look more of a unit. So this will be a, a step up in class for Chelsea, even than what they faced against Brentford in midweek in their recent Premier League form isn't great, so I think it'll be a tight encounter Um,
3: Right, okay Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Chelsea one shot on target against uh, Wolves, Pulisic, Mount, Ziyech they should have enough weapons to come up with more than that shouldn't they? Um, Villa uh, more resolute, four wins already under Gerrard, and they uh, caused Manchester City and Liverpool frustration didn't they? You imagine that they'll be able to do the same with Chelsea,
2: don't you? Yeah, um, he, he, there won't be any change in the way that um, Gerard approaches the game. He'll go front foot, he'll have his full bombing forward. This will be a fascinating game because, as we know, Chelsea do like to play with their wing-backs bombing forward and that's very experience-free at the back. And this is part of the reason why I say that few people have sympathy because Kappa is a £70 million goalkeeper. Don't and he drop the in ball! The... <laughs> um, but obviously, Mendy will be back for this one. What I would say about Chelsea is on paper that back five, six uh, are clearly outstanding. But at the moment, they're very leaky. Confidence is very fragile. And I think if there is a good day from a Villa point of view to play them, it's this weekend.
0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The
1: Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talksport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Labrooks.com. 18+. BeGambleAware.org. T's and C's apply.
3: Let's get to some more Boxing Day smashers. Three o'clock on Sunday, Manchester City against Leicester. That should be a really good game. Will Phil Foden and Jack Grealish be reintegrated into the Boxing Day clash with Leicester City? Pep wasn't happy about them going out to a late-night bar after the 7-0 thrashing of Leeds United. Are they going to come back into the team, Alex?
4: Well, can I just say on that, I know there's been a bit of a row going on on talk sport between... Uh, our resident Manchester City lover Trevor Sinclair and Simon Jordan after Mr. Jordan never won to mince his words branded Jack Grealish a moron I think I'm coming down on the Simon Jordan side of the coin on this one because this is not the first offence for Jack Grealish it probably won't be the last how many warnings does one player have he's the most expensive player in the history of Premier League football he's he's playing for arguably the most demanding manager in the history of Premier League football. We're in a pandemic. We're in a situation where clubs are trying their best to keep players safe, to avoid the spread of infection, to avoid more games being called off and a bigger fixture backlog. What is he thinking? What is what is Phil Foden, who clearly is easily led, as we saw in Iceland, what is he thinking? It's absolutely incredible. And will he come back into the side? I'm not sure he will. I think Pep's comments after the game um, about only picking players who are acting in the right way was a, a pertinent message to both of those two players and rightly so jack grealish hasn't pulled up any trees since he became a 100 million pound player get your head down knuckle down yeah no pulling up honestly, tre- honestly I'm, I'm baffled
3: yeah no pulling up of trees but certainly a few pints were pulled on uh, tuesday night um so well what do you what do you do, do, you do in that situation then Darren? because everybody's allowed to let their hair down and there's no rules that suggest that you can't go out and have some fun
2: well, Guardiola sets very firm boundaries and the no-player-out city is unaware of what those boundaries are. And from me, with my news hat, hat on, mm. Grealish is somebody who's been in the papers before. We can tiptoe so around this, but the fact is that he's so somebody, is Foden, he's not the only one. And Foden as well. Both players have been in the news, in the news pages as opposed to the sports pages for the wrong reasons before. So from a PR perspective... It doesn't do any of their images any favours when they are in this kind of compromising position at all. Forget pandemics and all of that. Even that's, 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 it's a side issue. Everyone knows what the current social situation is. These are just basic footballing rules. Discipline that at this level you should be able to follow there are other players that do and can and clearly in the case of Green. So, so hold on what,
3: what are you saying that they've done wrong I don't understand they just went to a bar didn't they I mean you know they... Well no
2: that's a question for you to ask Pep because Pep saw enough in what they did to drop them for a game that they otherwise would have played in so clearly they had disobeyed an order from Pep and they they, they turned up as the suggestion appears to be. And I'm only going from what the noises a City were mm. that they came back and he wasn't happy with them.
3: I'm just playing devil's advocate here, Crook, because people will just sit there and just ask this question, you know, well, he's just gone to a bar. But I, obviously we have to take into context the social setting and the situation we are in with the variant at the moment and how spreadable it is and how football's trying to protect itself in a little bubble. But also, at this time of year, the fixtures come so fast and furious that it's probably better if you're resting up in between games rather than out
4: celebrating. And and th- this is a time when we're all having to make life choices okay because the prime minister hasn't imposed lockdown. But I think he's almost imposed voluntary lockdown. I know people who own pubs and restaurants and nobody's going to those pubs and restaurants. The hospitality sector is struggling massively because of the messages that are coming out from 10 Downing Street and from the medical advisors. We made a decision, Sam, to cancel our Sunday session stroke boot room night out because we didn't think it was a good idea to risk infection. We didn't think it sent the right message, okay? We're not paid anywhere near as much money as Jack Grealish, and you might say money shouldn't come into it. But if we're able to make those decisions, then millionaire footballers should be able to think logically for themselves as well I think it's an absolute disgrace far be it for me to be sarcastic but if
3: the hospitality industry is struggling they should just invite Jack Grealish and uh, Phil Foden to their pub I'm sure they'd make a few uh, a few pounds after that visit um, right let's uh, talk about Leicester City Manchester City's opponents because Leicester um, would have been I think hit quite badly by their defeat in midweek to Liverpool because they started with a strong team a really strong team they went for it they got 3-1 in front they got 2-0 in front 3-1 in front uh, against Liverpool and threw those leads both away. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, in-game management, we've already questioned. I, I questioned it during the game because I thought taking Pats and off, he may well have been injured. I mean, I think that's the sort of line that they're coming out with, but he didn't look injured. He was causing Liverpool all sorts of problems. But also the switch to a back five to sort of invite Liverpool pressure on was, was a little bit naive, really, because Darren... There's no way that Leicester, who concede more goals than anybody, apart from Norwich City in the league, are going to be able to keep out a team like Le- uh, like Liverpool. And also, this weekend, Manchester City.
2: Yeah, um, I feel for Brendan Rodgers in a way because he's done so much, so many good things at Leicester. And then a result like this one comes around and people characterise him as someone who always seemed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Krug. But I think as far as... Uh, sorry what was that
3: (laughs) he's the person who always does it he's got a bottle in his hand going bottle job aren't you (laughs) you're being nasty about Brendan again I
2: don't don't think he's a bottle job I think he's somebody who's very very unlucky I think he's somebody who saw the momentum building for Liverpool and decided let's try and keep that out by going more defensive I agree it it failed And, and listen I think it'll have to be more of the same against City because City know where the goal is and also, people blame Rodgers for what happened against Liverpool. But if Vardy scores that chance he has where he hits the post...
3: If Dewsbury Hall scores, yeah, it's a different game. Absolutely.
2: There are individual players who make, who make whose finishing cost Leicester mm. far more than that tactical decision, in my opinion. Mm. And yet, Rodgers is going to get it. I really feel for him
4: if Steven Gerrard didn't slip over if they didn't concede three goals at Crystal Palace if they didn't lose at home to Manchester United on the last day if they didn't lose at home to a Tottenham team who were already on the beach on the last day if buts and maybes Darren and there is a catalogue there Come is on. a catalogue building Leave up Brendan I think They're he's undervalued yours. undervalued
2: if undervalued if you had the chance to interview Rogers Crook would you actually say to him do you feel you're a bottle <laughs>
4: I think I, I think I would word it slightly uh, slightly more prophetically than that. I would probably say that there does seem to be a case for your sides when they get within sight of the winning line, something goes wrong. How do you legislate for that? And what do you think something you'd say? Something goes wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> would you whip that bottle out of your pocket? <laughs> uh,
3: Brendan, uh, Why do you feel as if you're the uh, footballing equivalent of Annie Power? Um, That could be a question. I remember when she went down. Oh, Cost me a lot of money, that did. Uh, Leicester scored five on their last visit to the Etihad. I'm sure that this will be an entertaining encounter, but I can't see that result reoccurring. Um, Tottenham against Crystal Palace is another three o'clock kickoff. Tottenham winners over West Ham in midweek. Antonio Conte is getting Spurs running more. He's brightening up some of their key talent. Can that trend
4: continue against Crystal Palace, who have won one in Six, I was going to say Crystal Palace not in a a great vein of form. It feels a a bit like a sliding doors moment in their season. If that poor run continues, they might suddenly be looking over their shoulder. If they can get back in the winning groove again, then the top half finish will be all the talk of the changing room. I've been impressed with Tottenham uh, with their energy levels against Liverpool at the weekend. They clearly benefited um, from the enforced COVID break. They seem to have a a fresh vigour about them and again better organisation that we expect from Antonio Conte he put the kiss of death on uh, Eric Dyer didn't he by saying he's one of the best defenders in the world and then he made an absolute calamitous error in that game against West Ham but with every big result they get and that was a big result against West Ham to get into a semi-final the confidence will build I think it's going to be an interesting transfer window Antonio Conte is going to want to try and do some business you have to make Tottenham favourites going to this and again we wouldn't have thought it a few weeks ago but they are now part of the top four discussion
3: Yeah, Eric Dyer playing quick diagonals over the top of defences a different approach from him and obviously instigated by Antonio Conte it's clear that he wants a more intense feistier Tottenham Hotspur that are a little bit more direct Harry Kane averages an expected goals tally of 0.52 and expected assists of 0.18 under Conte. For context, that is higher than under Nuno Espirito Santo where it was 0.24 and 0.12 and higher than under Jose last season when it was 0.5 and 0.11. Signs that things are coming good for the El Capitan, even if he should be suspended for this one, Darren?
2: Well, he should be suspended. I think he'll know that he got away with one after that challenge on Andy Robertson last weekend, but it's gone, it's history now. And I think he'll be fine second half of this season. I think the transfer window will hopefully be a quite a decisive one as far as Spurs are concerned, because Conti won't want to mess about with a real chance of top four next uh, by the end of this season. So I think he'll get more creativity for Harry Kane so that Kane can stay in the box rather than drift into places where he can't hurt the opposition. And I think he'll improve the defence. Just a point of order. He said Dyer could be one of the best players in the world in that position. He didn't say he already is. Uh, but I do take your general point. Dye, don't don't
4: let the facts get in the way of one of Crook's good stories. Uh, well, both both comments are completely wrong, though, aren't they? Whatever way you dress out, Dyer Dye will not Dye. ever be one of the best defenders in the world. That's just part of that idea, shall we? Wow, clip that one up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I think, I, I, I think Spurs will win this. And I think Spurs absolutely, I would say that race for the top four is between them as things stand and Manchester United. I can't see the other two getting into it.
3: Okay, get to Manchester United United in just a second. Uh, We're also ruling out West Ham United who take on Southampton at the weekend. Saints have led at some stage of 10 of their last 17 league games. They've won three. All they want for Christmas is to hold on to a lead. They take on a West Ham side that have been pretty reliable at home, but look as if they're slowing up a bit, Crook.
4: Yeah, it was interesting. I had a call from Darren's uh, sports editor earlier this week, and he said, we've been thinking about Southampton. What's going on there? Is is he unsackable? So I had to write an article on why Ralph Haas and Hootel is unsackable. It's all about Um, Dosh, isn't it? yeah basically it comes down to that he's got a very good relationship with martin simmons the chief executive not the, the, the only two one are almost the two of them are almost the lone fighters there because the club are up for sale and until they are sold they are basically treading water i don't see there will be a, a vast amount of funds to spend in january ralph has his two players for every position he's quite happy with the squad But you mentioned it in in commentary a couple of weeks ago. He just can't hold on to a lead. You wouldn't trust him to walk your dog. 73 points, I think, dropped from winning positions now since he took over. As long as that continues, it is a problem. I also spoke to Jason Dodd, their former captain, who knows a thing or two about relegation, survival battles, and, and he expects Southampton to finish in the bottom six. I think that's probably about right. I think there will be three worse teams than them, but they're in a poor run of form at the moment. No wins in six. They need to come out of that quickly because... There are, there are some whispers amongst the supporters now, just starting to ask some questions of Ralph Hasen, the same questions that Leicester fans are asking about Brendan Rodgers in terms of in-game management and substitution. So the louder those voices get, the more pressure will be put on his job. But at this moment in time, as I wrote in Darren's paper, I think he's pretty safe.
3: And also, Darren, the other issue is is that in this climate that we're in at the moment, if you get a couple of key injuries to your squad, and their their squad is, though everyone keeps telling me it's stronger than it has been before, but there's a lot of young players and untested players in that squad. If they get some key injuries to those those players, they're not winning games as it is at the moment. They could find themselves dropping very quickly towards that
2: relegation zone. Yeah, not winning in our six, and... Vestergaard gone, Bertrand gone, Ings gone, they are key players in key positions. They're a selling
3: club, aren't they?
2: They are a selling club and as soon as they develop anyone with any uh, talent that other clubs like the look of, that player is gone too. So I think, yeah, they're banging trouble unless they can get quality in and that's going to be hard for him. I think they'll lose to West Ham. Uh,
3: West Ham won a striker in a centre-half at least in January. The German boy Nico Schlotterbeck at Freiburg has been on their radar. Nat Phillips as well, both uh, interesting West Ham. Um, can they restart their top four charge with a win?
4: D- Darren thinks they will. I can see any outcome actually. I, I don't think you can predict this game with any great certainty. Antonio obviously missing out due to COVID in the week. Um, so whether he will be uh, available to come out of quarantine is, is open to conjecture. They're just not scoring goals uh, at the moment, West Ham. Uh, and they're not keeping clean sheets either, despite what Darren says uh, earlier in the season when he when he owes us a dinner still from that. Actually, we're still waiting, aren't we? That'll well, be a, a I've miracle. I keep the offering
2: away. and you don't accept it. So what can I do? When, and, and games between these two... I think two, that must ten- have gone
4: into my junk mail. Games between these two oh, tend, tend to be uh, cagey. I was at St Mary's earlier in the season when Antonio was frustrated uh, by a stubborn Southampton defence and got himself sent off. That finished nil-nil. I could see a draw here as well. Uh, Newcastle against Manchester
3: United is 8 o'clock on Monday night. Newcastle in talks to bring in Dan Ashworth, which appears to be a good move for them. Not
4: so much for Brighton. Um, Crookie, what's the latest on that? I can't really get a definitive answer on this. We know that the Brighton have given Newcastle permission to speak to Dan Ashworth. I think they've given that permission coming from a position of a bit of confidence that actually he won't go. Um, so I think it's, it's 50-50 at this moment in time. I think it would be a big blow for the Seagulls. You look at what he did with the England setup. you look at what he's already done uh, since he arrived at the Amex. I can see why Newcastle are after him, and I think it would be a very sensible uh, signing, maybe their best signing of the whole January transfer window. If they can get it done, they really need somebody on that board who knows their way around the football business and, and can get some deals done because you said Norwich are doomed at the moment you have to say Newcastle are pretty doomed to their fate as well and Newcastle have also made a
3: complaint about the standard of officiating after Isaac Hayden's head incident the Madison penalty against Leicester uh, the Edison penalty shout against Manchester City I mean they aren't they aren't wrong Darren are they I mean even though they haven't been the only victims they've seen the most errors and there have been quite a few errors overall with VAR over the last couple of weeks
2: I think we need a huge overhaul of our refereeing in this country they, they are, one demographic, they're, they're, they're guys who see themselves as being above the law, we respect them, but that doesn't mean that they can be allowed to make the level of mistakes they make on a week-to-week basis and not be scrutinised. And often the perception of refereeing in this country is that when mistakes are made, VARs back up and compound the original mistake to cover the other person's back. That's the perception We don't necessarily, we're not accusing them of anything untoward, but the problem with the lack of clarity around the way things work is that when you see penalties not given like the one Newcastle should have had against City, that Xhaka should have been sent off last weekend, Kane should have been sent off last weekend, and all of the referees and VARs find a way to back up those mistakes That tells you we are in a bad, bad place and refereeing does need a serious, serious overhaul. Uh,
3: Also needing an overhaul, Manchester United, and they have started with Ralph Ranić bringing in uh, all sorts of different assistant managers, coaches, analysts, um, uh, psychiatrists, everything. Um, And he's reportedly trying to convince Manchester United to splash some Christmas cash on Erling brought Haaland as well. But look, this guy is heading to Madrid one day, Liverpool the next, then PSG. Any whispers for Manchester United transfers, Alex?
4: I've been told for a long time now that Real Madrid is Erling Haaland's preferred destination. I would be surprised if, if he moved in the January transfer window. I think it's a difficult window um, to get that kind of deal done. I still think United's main target actually should be a, a defensive midfielder. I think Ralph Rangnick has already realised that's the, the area where they need to strengthen. So I think if a signing is made in January, it would be there. But you're right, he's certainly putting his own stamp on the, on the backroom team. The first two performances have been more disciplined than we saw under and Gunnar Solskjaer, but still lacking a bit of dynamism. There's been reports that Cristiano Ronaldo uh, has been kept away from the training ground in recent days as well, so that would be uh, a concern. But like Tottenham, uh, Manchester United, because of the COVID outbreak, because they had to... Uh, uh, go into a period of isolation, he would have had chance to work with the players in training to put some of his messages across. I think we'll see a better Manchester United, the one that took to the field against Norwich. And When it comes to this game, Manchester
3: United haven't now played, Darren, since Norwich on the 11th of December. That's a 15-day break for Ralph Ranić and his players. To get to grips with one another... I I I'd imagine that he's used the time wisely on and off the training pr- pitch. I know that the training ground was closed for a little while, but they would have done a lot of video analysis and, and and discussion about how he wants them to play. And they're taking the field against the third most open team in the league behind Norwich and Leeds United.
2: Yeah, I, I think I don't think it'll be a problem. This gap since they last played, I think it'll actually be a benefit. We saw the benefit it had to Spurs. Their improved fitness. The better organisation. They impressed a lot of people last weekend against Liverpool. I'd be surprised if we didn't see a similar level of improvement from United as well.
3: Okay, uh, let's get to the feature, the main feature of the day.
5: Hi, Lucy. Hello, Hello. you're right.
3: You're right. How are you?
5: Yeah, I'm good.
3: So. Darren, Lucy's got married since we were last. No, uh, I haven't. I she no, has. I you have. I thought you sent us a I picture haven't.
2: telling us that you got married. Wait, whoa, 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 Married? I was only fifteen minutes late. <laughs> it only took
3: her fifteen minutes to get engaged. To be fair, she only met him at at uh, nine o'clock by quarter past. She was that was it. They were moving in together.
5: Should we just get on with the quiz? How
3: is it going with you and and, and, and your new man?
5: Oh for goodness. Yeah, it's going well. Uh I'm moving in.
2: Wow, moving
5: in. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drop the I'm ball. I'm only
2: 15 minutes late. <laughs> 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 Do we not need to,
4: you know, at least have a, a, a virtual meeting with this guy and you know check his credentials to become your housemate? This
0: is well, the time for lovemaking.
4: But Sam's had a chat with him, is he? I
3: have had a yes, chat with him. I've had yeah. a little chat. What, a little why little is little this? Uh, well, we just—I we just thought it was important that he was vetted properly. So uh, I had the role of, of vetting. I mean, I think Darren was supposed to come, but he was late. Um, so uh, it was just me. Only yeah. Fifteen minutes late. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy, nice guy, and uh, a sensible, a sensible football fan as well. He yeah, didn't get too irate when the, the game was going against his team on Sunday, even though Lucy's a Tottenham fan and he's a Liverpool
4: fan. Where did you meet him? At the studio? Oh, I met him over Zoom. Well, just just because he wanted to speak to the great Sam Matterface. Is no, it, no, no, that... no,
3: no, no. Lucy asked me to just, you know, give him the once over.
4: Yeah.
5: Because ah. okay. basically I just see Sam as a father figure to me.
4: Well, he's very old. Yeah, so I could understand that. I see him as my dad as well, Lucy. So.
5: <sighs>
3: well, Anyway, should we get on with the quiz? don't know <laughs> how that turned around it. to
4: give him me a little bit of jit, but anyway,
2: it did. Let's go. Oh, look at me. This is that, he can't take it. Look <laughs> okay.
5: okay. <laughs> right. Darren, on their opening day of the season, who did former champions Manchester City face and a bonus point if you can tell me the score?
4: Um Come to me if he messes it up, please, Lucy. They beat Leicester 1 0. No.
2: Um no sorry, they lost to no. Leicester. They lost no, to Lester. no, no, no. They
4: lost. They
3: lost to Tottenham. My I don't God. think it was passed over officially to Alex. It could have been me that she decided. Wait, to pass wait, over. wait,
2: wait. What's in the opening game of this season?
3: Yeah, they lost yeah. to Tottenham away from home.
2: knows Tottenham. Was it Hoybier It's called the goal. Mm. Yeah. Hey, no, wait, 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 wait. The Community Shield is the opening game of the season, right? I mean, no, it's I a Premier she, League on, quiz, she's she's Darren. Premier, this is a yeah. Premier League podcast. and oh, You were wrong. anyway. Come on, come on. Well, you you got to make. You got to specify. Oh, Barry. Oh, oh, I, I want to call my lawyer. I Lucy, I, I, no, that's well, the point for Crook. I think you're fine. They've all been
4: complaining they want entertaining football. You got that tonight. Well, you lost. You lost.
5: <laughs> right. I'm going to... I'll Crook, I'll give you a point. Thank Darren, you. I'll go easy on you. I've work with the other questions, okay? All right, thank you. Sam. Yes. If we take the Premier League table currently at the time of recording can you tell me how many points 10th place Aston Villa currently have 21 close but not correct Darren
3: stop googling oh, time, actually. look at him look at him look, losing his
2: mouth 22
5: correct 22 <laughs> <laughs> oh, right dear. crook here we go So, I'm having quite a few people over for Christmas this year and I've got myself a six and a half kg turkey. But, but, (laughs) is the question. (laughs) But, how many... (laughs) How many turkeys would I need to equate to the same weight as Liverpool's Mo Salah?
4: It's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> Eight.
5: Oh. Incorrect, Sam. <sighs> <Funny> Nine. <laughs> Nine? No. <sighs> oh,
3: no, Darren. no, no. No, Oh, I should have got. Oh.
2: Can I just thank you, Lucy, for providing us with the expression on Crook's face when you started that question? <laughs> 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 oh, dear. I'm going to... I just... You know what? I don't even care. Eleven.
5: <laughs> Correct. It is eleven. Eleven. <laughs> 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 right. Okay. Now this... Because it's Christmas, I'm bringing back the feature Mystery Manager for our okay. final question of the quiz. Okay. Okay. Is everyone ready
4: for the audio? Yes.
5: This is a free-for-all so just whoever...
1: Shouts in
3: first. Uh, Ralph Rangnick.
1: The,
4: uh, uh, That's Clock. Uh, no, it's not Clonk. Patrick Vieira. Uh, no. Surely you're all frozen out of the game, you're not. Bruno Large. Uh, uh, Thomas Frank. Antonio Conte.
5: Yes, it is Antonio Conte.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how many turkeys does he weigh? Could you please ask Crook yeah. what the wind speed of a loaf blind swallow this?
5: <laughs> right. So going into Christmas, let's see how the table stands. Darren, you're in the lead with 14 points. Crook, you're second with 11.5, and Sam, you're third with 11.
2: Yeah. See the dark Sam. To that, Sam.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. Let's move on to our Christmas turkeys. Yes, the uh, two games that uh, probably will get least attention over the course of the Christmas period, Burnley against Everton and the one that we're sending Crook to, Brighton against Brentford. Um, Let's uh, start with a three o'clock Boxing Day game between Burnley and Everton. Four of Burnley's last five have ended in a draw. The way things are going for Rafa, that would probably seem like a good result. He's still the favourite to be the next manager sacked, right Crook?
4: Uh, Yeah, and you you can understand why when you look at their recent run of form, they're eight points above Burnley, who currently occupy the final relegation place. To put that into context, they're also eight points behind sixth place Manchester United. So again, uh, a sliding doors moment for them over the festive period. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is not too far away from making his comeback. That will clearly be um, a massive boost for Everton but you look at the games they've got to come there's some winnable fixtures here Burnley away Newcastle at home uh, Brighton at home then they go to Hull in the FA Cups this feels like a key stage of the season for the under pressure Benitez yeah Everton remarkably have won four home games but they've won just one a match in their last
3: 11 in all competitions at all venues this is a team in need of a lift and they might get it because they're slightly more stingy than Burnley whose problem weirdly had been conceding goals Darren but themselves they've tightened up a little bit in the last few uh, games This has got 0-0, 1-1 written all over it for me.
2: Spot on. They don't win that many, but they've drawn quite a few. Uh, Seven of their last 11 games they've drawn, they've only won one. Lots of people see them as an easy three points and they come unstuck and they they end up frustrated that they've not managed to to, uh, come away with the points. And I can see that being the case again here. This isn't an opportunity for Everton to get back on the bike. I think this is an opportunity for Burnley to actually compound Everton's
3: misery. Okay, Brighton against Brentford is eight o'clock on Boxing Day. Graham Potter believes that his team were lucky in the previous game between these two. Can they get the better of Brentford down at the Amex, win for the first time in the Premier League since September and kickstart their season again?
4: Well, they need to, don't they? No wins uh, in 11 games for Brighton. Actually, they deserve to lose uh, against Wolves in the last match. I commentated it for the Talk Sport app. It was a comfortable 1-0 win as comfortable a 1-0 win uh, away from home as you will see as you mentioned there they did get the late winner um in the game at the brentford community stadium so brentford uh, will want to try and get their revenge these two are fairly comfortable i think despite the fact that they both struggled for wins of late they're nine points clear of the relegation places. I spoke to Solly March at Brighton a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that a top half finish is their aim this season. He said talk of Europe is fanciful but in order to get into the top half of the table this is the type of fixture they really need to win. I will say uh, Brighton fans and probably Brentford counterparts as well very unhappy with the 8 o'clock kickoff on Boxing Day. No trains as we know on Boxing Day. This is another example uh, of the Premier League certainly not putting fans first. Uh, Brighton a bit of uh, light in the squad department
3: something that Graham Potter says he wants to rectify in the January transfer window Dunk could be back for the Palace game although that's an outside chance apparently uh, looking probably at mid to late January for him he didn't have knee surgery he will come out of a knee brace soon but they can't get him back quick enough because he's, a, he's an excellent defender for them isn't he
2: yeah absolutely not only is he excellent technically but he's a leader as well he's very important at set pieces we know he embodies the spirit of Brighton I just hope that Brighton can find a way to break this run very similar to Burnley of draws uh, nine from their last 12 matches They just need to find a way to win. And if they can get strikers in the window, again, they're another club that needs to do business early. If they can do that, it could be a very interesting second half of the season. One quick note on Lamptey. I know Spurs are looking for a right wing back. And the talk is that they could be looking at him. He'd be an excellent acquisition, in my opinion, for Spurs. Uh, Brighton would have it all to do to keep him.
3: OK, interesting. Uh, Brighton have found a score in three of the last five and they probably will have noted the return in midweek of Ivan Tony, who's back in the Brentford ranks and will be looking to unleash his firepower on Boxing Day that's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Uh, thank you very much that's it from us we're off to go and uh, uh, get out our giblets and get ready for the uh, Christmas turkey dinner which we're all very much looking forward to uh, thank you for uh, supporting the podcast over the course of the year and enjoy your festive feast of football stay safe and we will have another game day pod uh, from TalkSport on Monday lunchtime